A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, lie back, stand back, do what you need to do to lean back. lean back. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. And enjoy and drift off with us as we talk about inconsequential things. We just kind of ease you into your state of calmness or sleep, hopefully, or whatever you need us to be for you today we are going to do our best to do so thank you for listening to the insomnia project the podcast that is meant for insomniacs done by insomniacs but a lot of people who aren't insomniacs use the podcast so thank you all who listen don't forget to tell your friends and rate us give us a five-star review i'm marco timpano i'm amanda barker amanda i just made you a coffee you did yours was frothed mine is not I have a little bit of a nasal sound. I think it's allergies. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting that that does that to your voice. Yeah, a little bit. It can. I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's more, I don't think you have a particular nasal sound okay. happening. Well, it might, if people are wondering, oh, he doesn't sound quite like he does on other episodes. Oh. It might be that. It raises the timbre of your voice? A little bit. Raises or lowers. I think lowers the timbre oh. of my voice. Yeah. Well, I always think of nasal as a more high thing. Like high-pitched. Oh, I see. Interesting. Maybe it's a bit nosily. It's a little yes. bit more resonant. Mr. Nosley. Mr. Nosley. From For Downton the, Abbey. That's with an M, though. Mosley, right? Yeah. I like Nosley. That'd be a good write-up or character of, of that character. Is that what we're talking about today? I wanted to talk about, unless you have a, a, a topic you'd like no, to talk about. No, I'm a blank slate, as always. Okay. I mean, I could... I could find you some things. I could go foraging. Yeah, let's let's forage during the episode because all I have is parking. We could talk about foraging though, or parking. Foraging for parking. Oh, that's that's true. Well, if you want to go with foraging, let's go with foraging. Well, I happen to use the word foraging, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of a new Instagram person that I found that I'm quite enjoying. Who's that? Um, I don't know her actual name, but the Instagram handle is Black Forager. Okay. And that is 
who she is. She is black. She's in the States. And um, she eats things that you don't think you could eat. And she goes foraging daily. And um, she her her handle is usually, I think it's keep snacking, don't die. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, because she, uh, you know. Does just that, I guess. We recently foraged, Amanda, you and I. Mm-hmm. We were at our friend's house. That's and true. they're moving, just so everybody knows. Um, good friends, very good friends. And they're moving closer to us, so I'm really excited about mm-hmm. that. And we were walking from their backyard. We were having a lovely drink with them, coffee with them. And as we're about to go, Amanda noticed that they have a bunch of chives in their front that they're growing. And Amanda's like, oh, let's grab some chives for some eggs that we're going to make. And I said, but are we just going to grab our friend's chives? And I said, absolutely we are. And we did, and we haven't told them yet. No, well, I, I, I need think to they're going to be okay with that. I reached in and, and ripped my hand. That's what I would call urban foraging. I would say so. My, I, I have been foraging many times. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, on the urban level, and okay. let's talk about you foraging, but on the urban level, by my work, there was a place, a house, but this wasn't part of their garden. It was There was a fence and then sort of this – it was actually on the sidewalk, truthfully – a patch of mint that had found its way, I don't know, into a large, quite a significant crack in the sidewalk. And um, I looked one day and thought, that looks like mint, and reached down, grabbed a leaf, and realized it was mint. It was um, spearmint, I think, or peppermint. Spearmint, I think. So I then started taking it because it was growing like weeds and mint can do that. Mint right? can do that. It can be very, very. Um, um, and that was my source of mint. Over, uh, over. You know, I would use it in drinks. I would use it in salads. Uh, anywhere mint is used. It was in a field or on someone's property. Let me get this. Kind right. of neither. It really wasn't on their property. It was on the sidewalk. Oh, it, it had like, creeped because because yeah. uh, mint can be a creeper, right? It will grow. But it was just off the. How do I put it? So it wasn't the part of the sidewalk where people walk. Okay. It was sort of the edge of the sidewalk. Closer to their house? Yes. Okay. But in a large crack. Okay. But there had been a – they have a fence, so it wasn't on that side of the fence. Or I see. Like that. So I was not going into the yard. So I guess the lesson here is if you have any edible um, plants or herbs on your property that kind of Amanda can reach for, she's going to be I will, foraging. I will take – I will forage from your um, – from your plants. Um, Black Forger, her name is Alexis Nicole. She's based out of Columbus, Ohio. She's vegan, and she's an enviro science enthusiast and a forager. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And so hello to Alexis. We'll, we'll, we'll send an Instagram post absolutely. that we mentioned her. Yeah, it's so great when you forge. Like, I'm just looking at— She at, makes fizzy drinks. Um, she made something out of cattails recently. Uh, it's— and she, she posts pretty much every day. So um, there was a plant that she ate, like a, a beautiful flower, and was like, oh, it kind of tastes like a grape. So it's, it's fascinating because you're watching her eat things that you didn't think you could eat otherwise. Well, there's a, there's a bunch of things that we use as ornamental that, that are edible that have gone out of fashion or people don't consume or they only grow for short periods of time and so they're not available 
commercially or available mm-hmm. in abundance mm-hmm. because they're they're only available for a small season, right? And the more you know about those products, the more you can forage. But I would say if you are going to forage, make sure you know what you're you're getting. You're not getting a plant that might be non-edible. Well, we, of course. We I... forage for purslane. Oh, that's true. Um, up where we have our cottage, purslane grows around this time, actually. And we will uh, forage for that because my mother can identify it very well. And now you're very good at identifying it. But I thought we had figured out that actually it wasn't – the English word is not purslane. Right. That's right. What was it called? Cowbell? Cow hips, cow slips, something like that. But um, in Italian, or actually, in, is it dialect? No, purslane is. No, no. Oh, oh, what? Yeah, I'm what sorry. What your mother calls it is that dialect, or is that? That is her dialect of Italian. Yeah, which is sclopid. Sclopid, yeah. yeah. And we thought it was purslane because we couldn't figure out what it was. But my mother would put it into risottos. And now, Amanda, you're foraging for it more up there, and you're using it. Yeah, it it grows in sandy soil. Sandy soil, kind of at the side of the road. And my mother tells tales of when she was young, they would find it by the train or by the train tracks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other thing that she forages for in the same type of soil, sandy soil, are dandelions before right. they've gone to flower or gone to seed. Right, and you've been foraging with her. Absolutely. One time we went into. I, I think it was a field, and it was most definitely a in field spring near a drive-in movie theater. Yes, and there was tons, and we brought back like a garbage bag full of fresh dandelion greens, and she took them home. She said she triple washed them, so she. Got obviously all the first layer of dirt out of them and then wash them again every leaf. Yeah, when you have something sandy, it takes a few washes to get all the sand out Absolutely. When, you're, when you're not. The grit right, and so the on. Grit, yeah. And then she um, boils it down in like hard packed greens. So it's like this boiled down bitter greens, really similar to spinach, and uh, and then freezes it like that. And then so you can enjoy it truly all year long, I suppose, if you wanted to, or at least for the rest of the summer, because it usually happens at the beginning of the summer. Yeah. And I remember your father telling me that there was a joke, um, an Italian joke about two old Italian women by the train tracks fighting each other for dandelion greens. I don't know if that's a joke. That's probably a true story. Um, We (laughs) could be both. We used to go mushroom foraging. Me, my father, my cousin, and my uncle. Really? And my uncle. This is when I was a child. My uncle knew which mushrooms were safe. He was very good at that. He oh, could, wow. t- And my dad could identify the ones that he knew. Uh-huh. So he would just get those. But my uncle was really great at that. And I was a child, and so was my cousin. And we just loved trapezing in the forest. And I would yodel, and we would sing while my uncle and my father... Uh, you know, turned over little logs or um, 
leaves that had fallen, and we would come home with baskets and baskets of mushrooms. Wow. And what would your mom do with them or your dad do with them? My mom would clean them, and she would throw out half the bag if she or half the basket if she didn't know if she didn't feel the mushrooms were safe, even though she was told they were safe. One time I remember your dad picking a bunch of mushrooms and then your mom whispering, give them to me, and then throwing them out. I think my mom had no time for it because she was not the mushroom expert, so she was like... She was always afraid, I think. Well, she was, she was concerned, right? Right. But we would have some of those mushrooms that we foraged. How would you eat them normally? I don't even remember. She would cook I'm them in things. The pasta no, she would cook frittata. them even. No, she would cook them as is too. We oh, would have really? them in multiple them ways. Yeah. Your mom is good with mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I also went foraging for truffles when I was a tour guide in Europe. We part of our tour was to go uh, truffle foraging with a with a I want to say a master truffle hunter. Now explain a truffle to me. Truffles are controversial. In this house, Amanda does not like truffles. I do not like the smell of them. I feel like they've taken over some certain restaurants in the last 10 years, 20 years. And I don't enjoy that smell at my table in front of me or wifting through, you know, whatever a waiter's carrying by me. So um, that's where the controversy is. But there's white truffles and there's black truffles, right? That's right. And which one is the more common one? The black truffle. The white truffle is the more prized truffle. Uh, I think the Piemontese Bianco or the white truffle from that Piedmont region of northwestern um, Italy mm-hmm. is the most prized truffle. And those are the ones that you see on television that fetch hundreds and hundreds and thousands of euros, for, uh, depending on the size of the actual truffle itself. Oh, they auction them, right? That's right. And the black truffle, so that's the one, what's the one they make the oil from, I'm assuming? You the can black? make the oil from either, but it's more commonly made with the black because the black aren't as expensive as the white. But I'm not a truffle expert. You're asking me questions about truffles as, as if I'm a... But you know more than me. Okay. So that makes you the expert in this relationship. Um, so when we go foraging for truffles or when we went truffle foraging or mm-hmm. hunting, as they said, we would have a guide who was an older man Mm -hmm. who didn't speak English, so I was there to offer the translation, and their dog. And the dog was the one that was doing most of the work. The dog would be sniffing and searching and kind of spotting for the truffle. And the hunter, who was an older man with a big uh, stick, walking stick or cane, Uh more of a walking stick, I guess would be walking behind their dog and, uh, you know, just encouraging the dog, giving them treats when they found a truffle. And when the dog found the truffle, it kind of scratched at the earth Mm -hmm. and kind of made a gesture with the nose. And then the hunter would go and sort of reveal more of the dirt until they were able to unearth the truffle. Um, I thought pigs hunted for truffles, so I'm really confused. Well, perhaps in France they use pigs, but in Italy they use dogs. Um, The problem with pigs, um, to my knowledge, and once again, I'm not a truffle expert. You are in this situation. Is that they'll eat the truffles, so you have to be very careful. Oh, I see. So a dog... A dog won't eat them? Once again, 
I went truffle hunting a few times, and the dogs did not eat the truffles. Okay. And I think they're trained when they find the truffle, their owner will give them a more valuable treat. Bit, to them. Yeah, to the dog, like a piece of sausage, some meat. Got and it. I guess dogs like you, they're not into truffles. I'm so. a dog? No, I said, you don't like truffles? Oh. I don't think dogs like truffles. Well, so. then, yeah, it's true. Um, but I have one more truffle question. Okay. And I feel I feel some truffle tension brewing here because I feel like you, you're not happy answering my no i wanted questions. to talk about the journey of the finding the truffle versus okay a truffle talk uh, i just wanted to know is a truffle a mushroom a truffle is a i guess type of mushrooms it's a type uh, it's in that family they grow to if i remember correctly they grow at the end of roots of certain trees oh is that what and it they is? will That's sort of bloom dig. or balloon out okay and you want to catch them sort of as they're getting to their peak or their peak of expansion uh, because then they start to not be as good they start to as they as they sort of after they reach their peak they diminish in quality and flavor, I guess. When we say chocolate truffle. Generally speaking, that chocolate is supposed to look like oh, a I truffle. See. Oh, so that has nothing. That's not something a no, dog or it, pig forges for. If you look for. No, 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 no. No, if you look so at a chocolate. you're looking at me like I'm the dumbest woman alive, but I don't know these things. Well, well how And so would, then you say, well, I'm not a truffle expert, but I see that's a question that you knew that I But Amanda, know. how would a chocolate truffle I don't grow underground? I thought perhaps that it that it was a type of truffle that took the taste and form of a chocolate. I'm not saying it was milk chocolate truffle that grew underground, you know, but I'm just saying Maybe I've heard of chocolate truffles, so I was you've, trying to... You've eaten chocolate truffles. They're the ones that kind of have that powdery chocolate cocoa on the top of them. They look kind of... Sometimes they have little peaks, but they look like, like a... Like a cake pop? They kind of look like a small morsel of chocolate, and it's soft. You, we've had some. You don't particularly like chocolate truffles either. They're okay. usually very rich. So the, what the chocolate... I'm cho feeling some truffle backlash. No. Well, it's... Yeah. <laughs> You made it sound like pigs or dogs would search for chocolates underground. I that were don't. Chocolate. I didn't know if the chocolate truffles that we eat and enjoy are based on some true thing that's worth a lot of money. I see. I thought perhaps you, you thought an ingredient white, like a type of black truffle, is called a chocolate truffle because oh. it's this or that. No, what they've done in there are things that are called chocolate. Like there are cysts in the body we call chocolate cysts. Okay. There are chocolate labs, chocolate labs, and and you wouldn't look at me like I'm a crazy lady if I said what's a chocolate lab? The difference between a golden lab and a chocolate lab. I was just trying to figure. out. I would out. look at you strangely if you said, "Are chocolate labs made of chocolate?" But I didn't ask that. Okay. <laughs> Do chocolate labs hunt for truffles? I bet they'd be good at. Yeah, at, they're yeah. they're good sniffers, yeah. right? The ones that that I remember on my foraging trip were beagles. Oh, interesting. They were more oh, like, I wouldn't expect yeah, that. I would think like, like 
collies or spring, you know, spaniels or something. They were lower to the ground. They were like lower dogs. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I remember them being beagles, but but I remember they were very, very um, a huge part of that person's family was their dog, was their truffle dog, because so much work goes into training them, right? And they are so important for them in that area because if that's your livelihood, that's you can make yeah. a lot of money and a good. A good dog that knows how to find them is, you know. Are truffle hunters rich? I don't know many. Okay. I knew the one that I I went walking with. I think they can make some some like decent money. In my money. mind, they're like a lonely herder that lives on the mountaintop and goes into the forest, finds a couple a year, and that's good. But I don't know. They could be like no mine. Mine. The person I went covered with covered in bling. I don't know. No, I think truffle season two is a short season. So you're only you're only foraging during that season. You're not foraging in the dead of winter when there's a plentitude of snow, right? And they oh, only grow after the rain. So, you yeah. know, they can make decent supplemental money. And if you find a bunch of white truffles, you can make quite a bit of money. But other than that, I don't know. I have to wonder if it's because the rarity of truffles that that's why people like them. You know, no, they have a wonderful taste that you just don't enjoy. It's I don't have you know some people can't taste cilantro. You're not on their tongue. It tastes like soap. Well, that's me with truffle. Fair enough. But I actually think it's more my nose. I, I think also it's the oil that I really. Don't I like. think it's when they infuse oil with truffle, and if you use that too much, it can really overpower a dish. And I think that's something that you probably I just don't, don't like enjoy. the smell of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've gone truffle. I've gone foraging for mushrooms and. Truffles, and I'm trying to think if I foraged for anything else. You know, one thing I foraged for, mm-hmm. actually, um, in New Brunswick, well, I don't know if you can forage for berries, but I suppose the definition of foraging is probably searching for food in the wild. Right? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one thing we used to forage for was choke cherries. Okay. And choke cherries are interesting because they almost look like holly berries. Right. They grow on a sort of lower bush. Sometimes it's more of a tree. Um, they have a seed that's inedible. And the seed, uh, it's one of those berries where I think moms will often tell their kids or dads will often tell their kids, you know, those are poisonous. Don't eat them because the seed inside is poisonous. And I believe birds eat them but know not to eat the seeds, I think. I could be wrong there. Um, But they do grow where I um, moved to in Canada when I was growing up. And they were everywhere. And for years I just saw them and didn't eat them. And I lived next to a First Nations reserve of the Maliseet people. And um, I was babysitting actually on the other side of that reserve. I lived on one side and the, the family that I babysat for and worked for, they lived on the other side. And so there was a little girl and um, she would come and play with one of the girls that I that I took care of. And uh, and I knew the mom. She was sweet, and she had worked in my school. And anyway, um, the little girl said, oh, those are choke cherries. You can't eat them, but you can make a delicious jelly from them. So I was intrigued, and she said, my mom can tell you how to do it. So I said, would you ask your mom to, to tell me? So the next day, she came over, and she had a little recipe, a little note from her mother and a little recipe on how to make choke cherry jelly. 
And I was so thrilled. And it was a really fun, you know, activity. You know, I lived in a pretty rural area. So finding activities for three kids, all of different ages, um, because I nannied them all summer long, uh, was always a good idea because, you know, you didn't want them in front of the TV all day. Of course. So I said, okay, kids, put on your, you know, your rubber boots your wellies, whatever, and we are going to go forage for choke cherries. And so we did, and we all had bags. And um, the little guy, I think, was like four, maybe. And we went and we got piles and piles and piles. There were so many of choke cherries, and we knew how to spot them, and we we very quickly learned what the leaves are because there's a lot of red berries that you'll see in any bushy area of forest. So you, you have to know to look for the right leaves, I think, in that case. Anyway, so we, t- we got all the choke cherries. And then what you do is you boil them down and remove you, all the seeds because uh, the flesh around it is perfectly edible. And you make like a syrup with them almost, kind of a chunky syrup. And then you add the gelatin and you have choke cherry jelly. And I love it because it's not overly sweet it has almost a red pepper quality to it. I don't love red peppers, but I love red pepper jelly. So I love that little bit of little bit of tang, little bit of just not an over sweetness, but more of an interesting taste. And so, yeah, choke cherries. So I, I thought I never foraged, but I suppose that qualifies. Yeah, I foraged for wild strawberries. Oh. In with my cousins when I was once again I was younger when we did this in the, in the uh, mountains mm-hmm. of of northern Italy and I just wanted to mention we had mentioned that um, edible plant that my mother had forged with you oh sculpit yeah it's sculpit is what it's called in English that's what it looks like um, and uh, so it I has just, little purple flowers but you want it before it flowers like, right? like so many things like a basil plant you want it before it flowers sure really sure I um, I would love to forge for wild onions mm-hmm. they're they're also called um, what are wild scallions called um, they're not scapes what are they called they're called something you get them in the restaurants um, early spring and they're really Really great spring It'll, onions. No, they're called um, they're called something I can't think. Okay. I'll, I'll look it up, but, but right. But that's um, that's one of my favorite things. Well, yeah, onions. I mean, it's interesting because in the onion and garlic family, there are so many variations. In fact, our allium flowers just occurred to me. Maybe we would be able to eat those stems. I never thought of that. Oh, maybe I have to look that up because they're part. They're definitely part of the. Garlic. I mean, allium is the name of the family, and they they just call the flowers those big purple pom poms. Yeah, they just call them allium, but they're part of the garlic. And I love a garlic scape. I really do. Yeah. Um, but back to to foraging. I know there are barks that you can forage for mm-hmm. as well. Obviously, cinnamon bark and and that type of thing. But there are other barks that have a lot of qualities. Lemon balm is something that often grows in the wild and is an herb that obviously is used to soothe. Yes. You can make an ointment with it, um, but also a nice tea I made with lemon balm. You know what's nice too, Amanda? If you just go and forage and not pick. Mm -hmm. And so you go into a little wooded area and just look at the plants that are there for you to appreciate 
ramps is what I was thinking oh, of. Ramps, ramps yeah. 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 And they're more of a wild type of leak. And they and they and once again, you don't want to take all of that item that you're foraging for. You want to make sure that you leave some so it continues to grow in those places. So be very respectful if you do go foraging. I would recommend going foraging with someone who knows how to forage. Like um, Alexis, the black forager. Yeah. I actually was just watching. She, um, you know what she made? A fizzy lilac cordial. So she makes a fizzy drink, like a soda. Sure. Um, out of lilacs. Yeah. She goes, and, and it's definitely lilac season, takes the lilacs, lets them sit with sugar and water, and... Um, makes like a fizzy lilac drink. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Sure. I mean, lavender is also something that's grown Mm -hmm. in gardens all around North America, England, France, you name it. And that's a beautiful plant that is used in botanicals and in food as well. I think it's important for people to remember that you can forage in a city. And that's what we're talking about too. Not It's not just in a big forest or in the wild. Yeah. As long as the city has some green areas. And your friends don't mind you stealing mint and chives from the gardens. I want to thank Matt and Mel, who don't know that we stole some of their chives. But they're delicious. They were wonderful in our in our little breakfast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to thank all, everyone for listening to this foraging episode. Maybe next week we'll talk about parking, because you did a great parallel park the other day, and I was thinking about that. Yeah, I'm the queen of the parallel parks. Well, you're also the queen of my heart. So until next time, I hope you were able to listen and sleep. <laughs>